Hello, welcome to Witches of Wisdom podcast. I'm Chelsea. And I'm Trish. So get your tea, your coffee, sit down and vibe with us on today's episode. So I'm glad to be back after a little hiatus. We were both busy getting our shit together, (laughs) getting our vibe right. Basically decluttering, rearranging, getting my feng shui on point. (laughs) So yes, happy to have completed that project and be here with you today. Yeah, it really does make a difference. It just... It kind of just sets the tone for the rest of the year, having to get all that stuff done in January. So. Yes, yes. Even though, you know, I won't go too far off the deep end into the woo-woo, but many of us know that it is technically not the beginning of a new year. But, you know, that just depends on what you believe in. And that's a topic for another podcast, but (laughs) it's always good to help forge a new beginning by doing that deep clean and declutter. And, you know, maybe you gifted some things, maybe you just got rid of them. It's just a, a feeling unlike any other, because you literally feel lighter having got rid of Things that were no longer serving you, physical things that were no longer. So, yes, that is what we have been up to. Yeah, we'll definitely have to say that for another another topic because I'm a firm believer that those things, objects hold energy. And so for me, it's annoying when you have some stuff and you haven't even used it. And it's just taking up space and energy. So I'm, yeah, it was nice to be able to kind of declutter and get rid of stuff. I want to say get rid of stuff, really. If it's stuff that someone else can use, then, you know, going to your local thrift store and donating. Because I'm big on, you know, upcycling. Yes. If I can't, if I can really buy it or, yeah, buy it from someone else, you know, just upcycle. I'd rather do that than have to buy something brand new. Right. But Yeah. Yeah. I'm wishing it wasn't still this whole COVID thing going on because thrifting would definitely be a thing. I am so over going out to buy purses. I'm just like, if I could find a used quality bag and it does not have to be any certain brand. Yes. I'm totally down with upside. So anywho. What is, I know we, we like to start off talking about what is bringing us joy right now. So yes. what is bringing Chelsea joy right now? Uh, my kitchen is bringing me joy. So of course, you know, and getting my shit together, <laughs> we had to get our kitchen together. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, essentially just new flooring, some new appliances, new paint. You know, our kitchen was out of commission. I think it started. November, December. So yeah, that was frustrating. So in that though, I was manifesting a new kitchen, whether that was going to (laughs) mean we were going to move or (laughs) no matter how it had to go. Yes. Yes. Cause for me, cause I love, I like to cook. So not having access to my kitchen or my kitchen just being absolute fuckery, which it was, (laughs) uh, that pisses me (laughs) off. Like my right. my whole vibe in the kitchen has to be right. <laughs> I can totally tell that you was pissed because the kitchen wasn't right. I was like, I I just could I could I literally for anyone else they're just like, oh, you can still cook in there. Yeah, that's not the point. The floors is fucked up. My vibe is just like, I, my food's not gonna right. be good. Why would my you, energy is not good. Right. Why would you want to with all that other stuff going on in the kitchen? Like yes. it just doesn't work like that. No. And for me, it's the same. It's like like the house before we because this this week, actually, we finished the final step in our process, which was to have the haulers come in, pick up the last bit of junk. Mm-hmm. Now. I didn't even feel right about being in here while it was 
in process. I didn't like I didn't want to look at the piles of stuff that that I hadn't gotten rid of yet or, you know, the furniture just not being in the right spots where I wanted it to be yet. I didn't want to look at the unfinished work in progress. Mm-hmm. So it just made me always want to just go out. Let me find something to do. Let me go to Costco. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I know what you mean about that, that irritating you, the kitchen not being together. But the end result is you have a fantastic looking kitchen. Like, yeah. I want to come cook in your kitchen. It's so nice. <laughs> and I don't even really like cooking like that. So. <laughs> Well, I'm already, once we get, you know, as far as some more furniture in here, I'm ready to entertain because I like oh, having, I, I just yeah. like having a space that's welcoming, you know, and if, if I'm yes. happy, everybody else going to be happy. <laughs> Word. Yes. I think that's a common theme amongst our family. Yeah. Mama needs to be happy or nobody is happy. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, that is what's bringing me joy, and I'm just, I'm holding on to that. Um, So what is bringing you joy? What is bringing me joy right now is I got this utility card, and it, I got it because I wanted to have a surface dedicated just to preparing products for the apothecary. Um. It has a cutting board on top, the sides drop down, or or you can actually remove the sides. There's baskets underneath and hooks and everything. And it's just the perfect little addition to my supplies to help me get things done. And, and, you know, it's just really nice to have all my things so organized. It makes me motivated to create. So that, that is really making me happy right now. Not to mention, I got a couple new appliances too. So yeah, I'm enjoying my new washer and dryer and fridge and, and just grateful, very grateful to be able to finally complete the project and I got some new toys out of it. So <laughs> all good. Yes, <laughs> that's good. Today, we wanted to touch on something that is, in some ways, considered taboo, menstrual cycle and fertility. Now, I'm sure that we all had the same sexual ed class in school that gave us a very dry and boring info about the menstrual cycle and sex. Um, In all honesty, most of the education we received came from an abstinence stance or no sex before marriage type vibe which means we miss out on the vital information about menstrual cycles, contraceptives, fertility, and infertility awareness. So I had actually, I had read an article that was saying, um, you know, sex education often tends to be a mixture of standards reflecting local attitudes about sexuality. So, you know, almost almost half of all U.S. states require sex education, but only 13 Um, insists that the information given in these classes is medically accurate. So meaning majority of us is getting a bunch of bullshit. (laughs) That's just the reality. That is all kinds of wrong. I read something similar to where, um, and this actually was speaking on the past, say six years ago, 19 states had a policy saying that sex ed should cover abstinence and not contraception. Mm-hmm. which I'm just like, okay, so in 2015, they were still doing that. Let's not even get on the fact that I was a teen mom. That was X amount of years ago. I won't date myself, but <laughs> to see that this is still going on now is just, it's really a sad commentary. It is. It really is. Um, I guess on, on the flip side, on the good note, there are some countries who are embracing um, sex education and including fertility awareness. Um, Cause like, like we might've touched on before, I think it's all encompassing. You can't talk about one piece, one eighth of the pie <laughs> as far right. as abstinence, right? Oh, don't do it. And then not talk about everything else. Without, yes, without addressing, yes. Without addressing the rest. It, it really is doing the young people a disservice to 
fixate on this, oh, abstinence. Yes, I get that. And I get the reason why. I know firsthand from my own personal experience the reason why. Yes, it would be optimal to abstain, but we all know the reality of it is that's not happening. No, it's not. So why not prepare, you know, individual, and I say kids, but individuals, because it's, it's, I mean, that follows you. Like I can remember, actually, I can't remember anything I learned in, in sex ed class, but what I can remember is the time where I actually was learning legit factual information about my own body, you know, pertaining to menstrual cycle, um, right. sex, fertility, all that stuff. And that wasn't until like my early twenties, which is, right. you know, pathetic <laughs> to yeah. say the least. I mean, honestly, I didn't really start getting into it, I'd say, until my late 20s, early 30s, really starting to know my body and tracking my cycles and trying to eat better to improve the way I felt during my cycles. All those kinds of things didn't come for me until, yes, I'd say late 20s, early 30s. So to say that teaching abstinence is a thing or should be a thing, or we should even continue down that path, I mean, look at what's happening around us. We're still experiencing teen pregnancy. Yes, there's been a decline, but it's still happening. Mm -hmm. So we've, we've got to be serious about the implications behind that and, and do something different. We it's really just do. saying, don't do it. It's, it's not going to keep people, no. individuals from doing it. It's going to happen. They're going to do it. Why not arm them with the tools to be smart about it? Yes. That part. Exactly. Just, oh, you shouldn't do it. You know, I'm looking at it from a biblical standpoint. I was telling you as we were researching for this podcast today. Leave that out of it. That's that's personal opinion. That's programming. Yeah. Let's just put it that way. Yes, we are open to all perspectives here on this platform, but that's programming. So we're not going to partake in that. No. Let's do something different and teach, effectively teach so that people can make safe and informed choices. Right. Their cycles and and that aspect of their bodies. Yeah. I mean, because the reality is it's a natural, it's a natural part of life. It happens. It's how we all got here. So why are you telling you're and that you're trying to and then I say them as in, you know, just society trying to stifle something that happens naturally. It does not work. That's like telling somebody not to pee or poop. Right. (laughs) Don't do it. Regardless. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I'm sorry, it's going to happen. So good analogy, because it's coming whether or not you want it to. So you're going to give me some toilet paper. Tell me how to wipe myself because it's happening. (laughs) Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, I just. The other piece to that, that in going on this. Religious zealot perspective as far as teaching the the sex ed and including the contraception and birth control why would you want to portray sex like we said something that comes naturally as a scary and unsafe thing you just instill shame and then it just perpetuates the whole narrative not only that but they just by not giving the not giving factual and factual information, you make it unsafe. Right. Because here you have people going into you make it unsafe when you're not teaching consent. People are just doing it just to do it. They're not realizing like you have a choice on how someone is, you know, presenting themselves to you, touching you, all that stuff, you know, and then you feel you know, people just in the park. And then of course, when you do do it and you're just out there swinging it around and then you come back with STIs, STDs, 
Right. Well, <laughs> didn't nobody tell you? No. Right. Because right. no one taught you about contraceptives and condoms. Yeah, all bad. It's just the approach has been all bad. And, and that is what we have ended up with. That is why there are, are these uh, STIs that are resurfacing, like syphilis and you know, we're starting to see stuff like that more and more because people are just out there doing whatever. Yeah. Making uninformed choices with regard to their sexual health. And it's just not right. These things should be taught. Don't even get me on the whole. No, we got another another episode for that anyway. (laughs) But, you know, like, like, Come on, let's let's give the people some valuable information. Like I said, arm them with the tools they need to make safe and healthy choices for themselves. Yes. You're just setting people up to crash and burn. Exactly. You know, but being on this whole biblical thing or or let's I even read something. This was shocking for me in this day and age. I read something where an educator mentioned something along the lines of, oh, these kids are out here living a living in sin or or something. And I just thought people still say that. People still say stuff like that. Like I'm so lost right now. Who who says that? Seriously. Wow. I guess we just live in sin. um, (laughs) Right? We all just sinning. That is ridiculous to put a label on it like that. Education isn't what it should be in terms of sex. Right. You know, it's this one sided coin, and, and we have to, like you mentioned earlier, slice of the pie. The whole pie is the whole pie. We have to cover all the bases. You know, that's that's not doing anybody justice by withholding information or shaming people or making it seem like it's such a scary thing when, as you mentioned, it's something that comes about naturally. Yeah. Animals, fish, whoever. Everybody does it. It happens is how we procreate. So why are we making it such a, a taboo subject? Yeah. And I think this late really, in the game, we're still. Uh, right. And I think it really does a disservice for, um, for women and girls or, you know, bodies, individuals who have the uterus, ovaries, vagina and everything else. When you're not talking right. about the menstrual cycle, because I can honestly say, like, I didn't, it was like bare bones. Like, okay, you have a period, you have sex, you get pregnant, you might die. <laughs> that type of vibe. Can, you know, I can remember the same thing. I don't remember a lot, but I just remember that that, that was basically it. Like, oh my God, you're going to get pregnant. It was the whole, they show you like this little cheesy movie or whatever. And that would be the whole theme of the movie. Like, it just was so scary because she got pregnant. Mm-hmm. It was never that the documentary or whatever you want to call it, they're showing you in classes, somebody who made a wise choice to maybe use a condom or whatever and didn't get pregnant. Or, you know, maybe even chose not to have sex or maybe did choose to abstain. It was never that. It was always this scary, fearful narrative that would just make you feel like, oh, my God, after you watched it. Yeah. And I just I could never wrap my my brain around that. And I know for myself. It's probably the very reason why I made the choices that, that I did, because I wasn't making informed decisions. I was just out there doing stuff, to be mm-hmm. quite frank. Just keeping it real, just doing whatever. So, and that's what happens when you don't have the information you need to make wise choices. Right. I think that if I, um, 
especially pertaining to the menstrual cycle in in full, if we had actually had in-depth conversation and education about it, I think it would have helped me make better choices about what contraceptives or even the fact of using contraceptive birth control. I think that would have definitely made a difference because there, at least we know how it makes us feel in our bodies and our choices that we decided to stop using uh, hormonal birth control. Cause it's just not, I don't think it's the end all thing to say, Hey, well, if you're going to have sex here, you need to use some birth control. It's like, I feel like it's almost a scare tactic. It's like, Oh yeah. If you're going to have sex, you're going to get pregnant. Yeah. If you have sex during when you're ovulating, (laughs) like you, you can't get pregnant on every single day of your cycle. There's no, I mean, I'm right. sure there's some anomalies out there where there was that weird slim chance of where they got pre- pregnant, but we're not talking about that. <laughs> <laughs> talking about right. the actual, you know, I just. Right. The days, that window of time within you were able to conceive. Exactly. Yeah. And let's I, talk about that instead of just, yeah. oh my gosh, don't do it. You'll be pregnant. Exactly. And I think that's, just, that's when we say that schools should be teaching fertility awareness. That's part of it. I had recently gotten a book called The Fifth Vital Sign by Lisa Hendrickson-Jack. She's a certified fertility awareness educator, holistic reproductive health practitioner. And, you know, she has this book and this guide to essentially help you in your fertility journey, whether or not you want to have kids or not. Well, I say fertility journey, but really just being aware of your cycle and actually using it as a tool to measure your health because it is tied to your health. Absolutely. And that's just something for sure that we, and she's, I think she said it, that that's, that's not being taught in schools. And even as adults, some doctors that, you know, that you might have when you mention fertility awareness and that, you know, encompasses taking your temperature, checking your cervical mucus, the position of your, of your cervix, which seems insane to most, but I mean, it's our bodies. You should get to know your body. But when you bring that to some doctors, they're getting like pushback and they're just like, what? No. What birth control do you want? <laughs> like, right. They don't want to talk about that. They just, they're like, that I, is not. Yeah. I have had the same experience. I've been in an appointment. As a matter of fact, the appointment when I decided to get my IUD out. She was like, what are you going to use for birth control? And as a matter of fact, I, I clearly recall her saying, what are we going to use? for birth control and I just thought we ain't gonna do nothing because <laughs> that is my personal choice I'm choosing not to be on this I've tried all the other things so no we're not gonna do this like this anymore it was such a weight off of me to just not have the IUD and yes you got to be diligent about tracking your cycles and and those kinds of things but at the same time you know, that's a foreign object. And no matter what they tell you or don't tell you, it just can't, when you when you wrap your brain around like having something inserted and left there for 10 years, it just doesn't resonate. You know, there was a time where I thought, oh, okay, well, that's how you, that's how everybody was doing it. So it was yeah. fine. But, you know, that saying, when you know better, you do better. And as soon as I knew better, I was like, no, I don't think that. Um, this is something I want for myself. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not knocking that, you know, anyone using birth hormonal birth control. I mean, that's on you, you know, that's your body, your decision. I just know personally for me, for us. Yeah. But for us, and really, I just, especially for black and brown women, I don't think there's, there's not a lot of conversation about making healthier choices for us because I won't dive too deep into it. Cause that's another whole episode too. But as far as like, just right. the, it really is. the disservice that black and brown women have in, in the medical realm, you know, if we're coming with the pain or whatever, and we're getting pushed off and, Oh, you know, it's nothing, but let it be a white woman who's coming with the same thing. You know, there, there's a cure or there's some kind of, help for her ailment her her needs are addressed it's it's almost as if we don't feel pain or we don't know our bodies so when we question something or we want to seek and 
alternative method of treatment for an issue we don't know what we're talking about or Mm -hmm. we're disregarded. And that's just not right. Yeah. And I mean, I think the same thing happens to women overall, but we know that there are disparities for black women and brown women. I mean, talking about mortality rates, pregnancy, all that stuff. It's insane. Yes. And we know that to be even, even right now in the wake of COVID, you see the differences between how people are treated with regard to healthcare. So Mm -hmm. yes, this really is something that needs to be focused on to change the narrative, to do better. Yeah, it does. And I think there are some movements, you know, heading in that direction to try to change that in the medical field. But I also, I'll say I'm thankful for social media because there are a lot of, you know, holistic practitioners um, and doctors who are, you know, sharing information as far as menstrual cycles and fertility awareness, which is how I found that book. Honestly, if it weren't for social media, I would have never found it. And I probably still would have been in the dark as far as <laughs> how to how to take care of myself right. and how to, I guess, take my fertility into my own hands. Because I, I don't know, I just personally, I, you know, I've had a lot of blood work done as far as making sure that I'm healthy and stuff. But I always felt that there's just like this weird disconnect between me and a doctor where it's like, oh, okay, this is a professional. So they know everything that they're talking about, but this is my body. And this is my experience. Right. You don't live in my body and you don't have my experiences day to day. I was just going to mention that it's, it's odd to me that we would put, and it's going to sound odd to many people when I say this, but it's odd to me that we would put all of our faith in somebody who doesn't know anything about us, but what is on paper and doesn't know us personally to put all your faith in that one person and just trust anything they say in terms of your health care, it just doesn't make sense to me. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, it just seems, I mean, it, to me, it, <laughs> and I say, because, you know, I've, of course, I want to have kids, but at the same time, it's scary when I like look at different things that women are saying, especially when pregnant women and they're talking about their experiences in a hospital setting of how, you know, it was pushed on them to be induced for labor because, you know, of such and such. Um, But I have heard some women who are really advocating for themselves and they're like, you really have to either really have to find a a practitioner who is really going to, you know, support your decision. Or you're kind of just left, you know, with them essentially making all these choices. Simply because, you know, if something happens and they they're weary of a lawsuit, which yes. I understand. But at the same time, I'm like, you don't get to be pushing your medical bullshit on me because you think. You know, I don't know. That's just my take on it. <laughs> no, I totally agree. I was thinking as you were saying that. This is the very reason why a lot of women are veering off the road and going to the birthing centers or doing home births because you get to the hospital and they just want to run the whole show and, and, and make choices for you that you probably would not have made had you been in a less stressful situation without the pressure of mm-hmm. somebody looming over you. Well, you should do this or you know, all of the babies are tested for this or, you know, we recommend that let a person go with their intuition. Yeah. And then especially those who have aren't first time moms and and are used to the childbirth process and all that. I, I just don't could never really wrap my brain around how we still aren't free to make those choices. We're still feeling that pushback when when we are more aware and we want to make personal choices for ourselves that maybe aren't in line with Western medicine. Mm-hmm. It just seems really odd to me. But yes. yeah, so I think my my own personal story with regard to birth control. 
echoes that sentiment because from the beginning it was like, well, what what type of birth control are you going to use? You know, once I got pregnant with you, then I was like, okay, use some birth control. Then it was the it was the yo-yoing up and down with the weight. My face looked terrible. All these different side effects that came after years, years of taking birth control. Mm-hmm. Like when you look back on it, then you think to yourself, this cannot possibly be good for you. Um, <laughs> no. All the different things that it does to your body. I mean, something that's going to, you know, I don't know if you've ever noticed how for those who take birth control pills, you know, when you want to skip your period, how you just keep going through the packs or whatever. Yeah. Over time, I used to think anything that would do this to your body just cannot be meant for you. No, it can't be because your your cycle is it's a natural part of your body. Why would you want to stop it? Which right. so because I've done both the well, I've done a various amounts of different birth control, which I am ashamed to even say, only because I'm like, oh, right. maybe this is gonna work. So I had started on the pill. I mean, I was it worked for me. My face was always clear and popping, but <laughs> and in reality, I didn't really know what was going on behind the scenes. And then I did the depot shot, which was fucking horrible. Never do that oh, shit in my yeah. life again. Oh my God. I thought I was. I Ooh, no, that. And I've seen. 30 pounds on depot. Yeah. I've seen people that I've known do depot and gain like an absurd, not want to say absurd, but just tons of weight. And I'm just like, how is something that is supposed to be, you know, safe for you? How is that supposed to be good for your body? Right. When it's having those. Yeah. Or the implant in your arm and, you know, people having to get it surgically removed because they can't find it. I'm like, how is that? No. How is that good? Or the IUD stopping your period completely. That to me is insane. That happened to me. That happened to me with the the IUD. Um, Either the periods were insanely heavy, Mm -hmm. terrible cramps. Or just no period at all. And I just thought, okay, so if I'm not getting my period, then something else is going on in my body that shouldn't be happening because my natural cycles aren't coming. Yeah. And I mean, that's the reality is is that these, I don't call them fake hormones, are essentially disrupting or, you know, your natural hormones and your natural cycle. So if you've been taking them for so long or yeah. you had like the IUD where it's stopping your period, like how is that? I don't know. To me, it's just been crazy. And if I had known all that stuff beforehand, I probably never would have taken it. I definitely wouldn't have. But again, like we said before, there's that stigma in healthcare when you ask about you know alternate methods or or like you said, fertility awareness where you're tracking your cycles and using the rhythm method or whatever alternate method you might want to use. It's just like, Oh my God, what are you going to do? Are you, what are you going to use for birth control? And even when you say that phrase birth control, just think about how that sounds, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, who's doing the controlling here really? Mm -hmm. But yeah, I'm in control. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. So why wouldn't you want to, you know, seek out those things that could be healthier alternatives? You know, instead of birth control, IUDs, you know, whatever method you want to use, there's something out there for you that is not going to disrupt your natural cycle, is not going to, you know, break your face out or, or whatever. Yeah. Always go back to thinking about how things were done before any of this man-made stuff came along. And the bottom line is women were tracking their cycles. Yeah. 
And that makes me think of like, you know, when you talk about doctors and asking about alternative methods, I, you know, I've done some research and I'm not a medical professional, but from stuff that I've heard from other professionals and just stuff that I've read, a lot of the information that they're teaching in medical schools are coming from these stances where they're not looking at alternative methods. It's just simply Western medicine. And some of it, you know, is coming from studies done by men, white men at that. I mean, if you're looking, if you really want to get in depth and talk about the history of medicine in, in terms of black women, we already know it's hasn't been the greatest. So not. why would we feel safe? That's being, that's being really polite about saying it too. No, yeah. But because I <laughs> That's why I said that's a whole other episode. And maybe I'm like, my dream, my dream is to have, you know, a medical professional on our podcast to kind of touch a little bit about that. But I don't know too many who are out there, but uh, I mean, because just the realities of it. I mean, we, a country that was based on racism and there weren't no black. In that time, there weren't a lot of black healthcare providers or doctors who were, you know, I think there were a few, but I don't think there were a lot who were, who were given their, their due rights per se in, in the medical field. Um, And I don't think a lot of people who are going to medical school are learning about that. I think that's something that you have to do on your own because the, I think our country doesn't like to talk about black people and what they did contribute to medicine to all the various different parts that make up our country. So that's all I got to yes. say about that. Bunch of bullshit. <laughs> right. No, the, they definitely don't want to talk about it. They don't want to talk about that. And you're right there. We just haven't had that representation in the medical field. Now, yes, now there probably is. And even now I find it hard because it depends on where you live. As far as how available a physician or or care provider of color, yes, you know, is available to you. It exactly depends. Say down in the Bay Area, for instance. Okay, of course you're going to have lots more choices in terms of Asian doctors, Black doctors, Filipino doctors. You know, whatever might suit your particular need. Mm-hmm. But as you branch out into other areas like our own, more specifically, there just are not a lot of choices. No, there isn't. I mean, I'm still looking for, I mean, I like my gynecologist now, but I, <laughs> to be honest, I'm really looking for someone who can bridge that gap between Western medicine and holistic. Yes. Um, that is exactly what I'm looking for. Yeah. If and I'm, I'm like, if those certain things have to be addressed as far as Western medicine is concerned, yes. but I want that person that has that PhD, but is aware that a lot of this stuff is just not necessary and that there are holistic alternatives to some of the practices that have been in place for years and years and just are not good for us. Yeah. And really, I'm looking for a doctor who is aware, not because, not just because, you know, that they're researching this stuff, but because they probably have lived that same experience. So a black doctor. Yes. A black female doctor at that. Um, I mean, the truth of the matter is it's still happening. You know, I don't know if you ever heard about Serena Williams when she gave birth to her baby and she was telling the doctor, I can't remember what, um, what ailment she had something with the blood, but she was, she told them, she was like, I need, um, I need you to run this test because I'm not feeling good. And they were like, Oh no, no, no. Yeah. You're fine. And then she's like, no, I need you to run this test. (laughs) I'm sure. Well, I could have just, I wish I was a fly on the wall, but I'm pretty sure she probably would have been like, you better run this motherfucking test. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) You know, that's probably really what she said. Uh Run and run that goddamn test. Like I asked you to, um, but they ran the test and they had caught the, she had a blood clot and if they didn't catch it, she could have died. 
Right. And she's not the only one. There was another, um, it was so sad. She was beautiful. It was a mother. I want to say she was a lawyer or something, but her, and her she had just given birth and she was complaining about some kind of pain. Um, and her husband was trying to, you know, flag down doctors and stuff, but they were like, oh no, you know, it's fine. And they were saying that they were busy or something. And I think what ended up happening is she was bleeding internally and she died mm-hmm. because they did not service her when they should have. Right. And I'm like, but you're talking about this is a black professional, someone who went to college, has several degrees, making bank. And you think that because, especially in our community, you think if, you know, the higher education is the more money that you make, you have better access to healthcare. But in reality, you don't. Nope. Because they just dismissed her. Right. And had they not, she could have been saved. Exactly. And they addressed her concerns when those concerns were raised. It would have been a totally different outcome. And that's mm-hmm. that's really sad. Yeah. So it speaks to a lot of, you know, a lot of black women, minorities who were especially I'm sure, especially during COVID now that there are that there has been an increase in home births. People do not want to be in the hospital. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know for sure. I mean, that there are a lot of people out there. I even know plenty of people personally that were just like, no, I'm having my baby at home. Yeah. Without giving a second, giving it, giving it a second thought, it was, I'm having my baby at home. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, from seeing these circumstances like the one we just spoke about where you know, you go in and you're you're putting your health and well-being in the hands of doctors that don't respect your right to to voice concern or 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 say that you feel like something's not right. Mm-hmm. What more can you say? You know, like that that particular woman her husband flagging down the doctor. What more needs to be said other than I don't feel right? Something's not right. I've I've known people who have been sick in the hospital and same thing, tried to voice concern or, or can maybe somebody take a look at this because, you know, I'm not really feeling the way I think I should or, or my breathing is labored. And then next thing you know, you've got, you know, half a dozen healthcare professionals rushing in there because the person is coding or, you know, they've all of a sudden stopped breathing. Mm-hmm. It's just not, yeah, it's really sobering to think that something like that is still happening where you could be in the healthcare facility, the place where they're supposed to be looking out for you yes. and taking care of your health and well-being, but you die in there because they ignored your, your, Questions or concern. Mm-hmm. Because there might be, I mean, systemically seen it where um, just in the history of this country that, you know, black women, oh, they don't feel pain or their their tolerance is it's different than than us. So. And that stuff is still perpetuated. So, of course, if a black woman is telling you run this test because. I think she knows her body and her health history. So she's asking yeah. you to run this test, run that fucking test. <laughs> like what? <laughs> right. And even if it comes to be, oh yeah, the test says you're fine. Okay, let it be that. But if it comes to find out, you know, oh yeah, we need to, you know, get you to such and such and operate on you like stat because we did find such and such because you asked us to run the test. Like I just, yeah. But circling back to the menstrual cycle and stuff, I think if the stuff is taught at an early age, then we really do arm ourselves with the knowledge to make decisions for ourselves where we can say, hey, I need you to run this test because I feel such and such, such and such. Or maybe I'm choosing not to do go to the doctor right now because, you know, I've got these vitamins, I've got you know, my holistic practitioner who's telling me I can do, you know, just really having the tools to make the informed decisions about our health. 
and not yeah. necessarily having to run to the doctor every single time. Um, I think they are there for a reason. Yes. And on that note, I think arming the people with the knowledge, especially right now with 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 everything that's going on, you know that a visit, a physical in-person visit is nearly impossible right now. Yeah. Unless you are very sick. And so with that said, arming the people with the knowledge to make those decisions, or like you said, consult maybe with the holistic practitioner to say, okay, well, hey, you need to maybe supplement with X, Y, Z, and you'll be fine. Drink plenty of fluids. To be be able to do that or call on that person or even just have the knowledge themselves is going to cut back on a lot of what's going on right now because you won't have people running out to, you know, go and make an appointment when it's not necessary. They're pulling from those stores of knowledge or using their supplements or whatever it may be mm-hmm. to treat themselves when appropriate, instead of taking up the bandwidth by making an appointment that doesn't need to be made. Keeping keeping those lines open, those phone lines open, or those appointments available to the people who need them more, you know, or may feel like they need them more. Yeah, I just think um, we got some work to do. Oh, yeah, for sure. We've got lots, a long road ahead. But I think the work can really start at home. And so if you're really educating yourself, I mean, check out your local library. There are books. Social media has, you know, practitioners and doctors who are giving good information. Um, I think you're just starting from there, really taking your health into your own hands. Now, what I'm not saying is if you bleed out dying to patch yourself up, no, take your ass to a hospital. Listen, look, disclaimer, time out. I was just <laughs> Like, that's not what we're saying. What we're saying is, <laughs> yes, there are, there are alternate alternate methods to some of these things we've been doing for years. We don't mean if you got chest pain, just lay there and die. No. <laughs> Consult a medical professional when necessary. Yes. <laughs> and you know when it's necessary. <laughs> yes. You know when it's a medical emergency. Handle that. Call somebody. Do what you have to do. However, I think the path to your healthiest self is having the knowledge to make holistic choices, do things that result in optimal outcomes for you instead of, you know, you take birth control, anything you take, there's going to be some side effects. And you've got to come to the conclusion where you're able to discern, okay, in making a decision about taking something, this thing that I'm, I'm considering taking, are the benefits outweighing the risks? Mm-hmm. And we need to be able to have the information at our fingertips to, to to make those choices you know and to make the make the best choice for ourselves based on on the knowledge that we had or the knowledge that we're being provided like you say check out books research there are just so many different avenues to Obtaining this information, yes, it's not being provided, which is the whole point of this podcast, it's not being provided or delivered in the most effective way in in school. It's not. That's a fact. And so we need to be not only starting at home with ourselves, but, you know, if you have daughters or you know, even sons having those discussions with them. Yes. Not talking about it is not helping anything. It's not. And, and they do talk gonna... about it. Yeah. I mean, when you talk about, especially for, which is a good point, especially for sons, I think it's important to even talk about when you're talking about menstrual cycle and sex ed and all that stuff, 
is to include your your daughters and your sons. Yes. Because your sons need to know. I mean, if they choose to, you know, wife up at some point, I'm sure it's going to benefit them to know about uh, the menstrual cycle and yes. not be, oh my God, she's on her period. <laughs> no, right. we're not doing and that not- fuck boy shit. <laughs> Come on, right. let's not, not be acting like a jerk about it, you know. Yeah. Teach them to be sensitive about those issues, you know. Mm-hmm. Maybe they will get married, like you say. And in that case, they need to be prepared to deal with the wife and everything that en- encompasses being married, the cycle being part of it. Yes. And to not be an insensitive ass about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And on that note, that's all I got to say about that. So to educate yourself, yeah. educate your families, your children. It's- yes, it starts. Yeah, that That's that's an awesome way to, to wrap it up. Because on that note, my whole thing is. If we start at home and educate ourselves and our children, then we don't have to worry about what's going on in the schoolhouse and and what they choose to share and not share. Yeah. I mean, the reality is is the schools really aren't there to teach. And and that's coming from a sociologist perspective because my degree is in sociology. So um, I know a thing or two. (laughs) Public schools. (laughs) I'm sorry. I I mean, the reality is public schools are not. They're essentially just funnels for us to, you know, be working robots. (laughs) Right. Now, I'm not saying that you can't learn anything from school because you absolutely can. But I also think that depends on where you live, how much funding that school is. And that all relates to the property tax surrounding that school. Now, if you're in the ghetto, we know for sure that schools do not have adequate funding, which is bullshit. So, but we'll save that for another time. (laughs) (laughs) Right. That's another podcast. Yeah. And on that note, yeah, that's all I have to say on that. Educate yourselves. Keep an open mind to different perspectives when it comes to your contraception and birth control. And be safe. Yes. Be safe. Be healthy. Be happy. Do what works for you. Yes. And that's it. That's all, folks. Peace, y'all.